Everybody, welcome to Shooting the Shizat. Here we are on Skype again. We're going to be in the studio soon, I really hope. But anyway, this is Dylan the Broda over here. We're, I'm in Helsinki, at least, on the way east side where all us immigrants live. And I got the rebel himself, Star Buccarino, over there and some other neck of the woods in this in this grand city. How you doing there? I'm actually... I'm actually at Espo's Sports Park. Um, I thought I'd come and do some, do some abs and some just just a core workout here. Uh, and then I figured, hey, we'll just do the podcast now while I'm here. There you go. Yeah, do it while you so work I, out. Well, no, I'm going to take a break from that. <laughs> then I'll be huffing and puffing. But uh, yeah, I just I just rode my bike out here. It's it's a fairly uh, overcast day here, but it's still about 19 degrees. And I figured I'd just get some work in because. Uh, I just set uh, the first slam wrestling event for Tallinn, Estonia. That's coming up on the 1st of September. So in exactly two weeks' time from today, we're going to be at Roca Almare Shopping Center. It's the oldest shopping center in uh, Tallinn and maybe in all of Estonia. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a free event. Uh, free to families and to kids and whatnot. That's that's what we're aiming towards. Uh, And 12 o'clock start time, 12 noon. Uh, anybody wants to check it out, it's called Slam in Tallinn, and it uh, you'll see the graphics on our Facebook and Instagram pages at Slam slash Res. That's S-L-A-M-W-R-E-S. Check it out, and uh, yeah, more more on that event in the uh, days and weeks to come. Yeah, I, I love the, the graphics for that so far, from what I've seen anyway, and it looks very... Uh very much your style of artwork anyway at least uh, this really uh, cool almost like this hasbro old school um you know wwf toys uh, that i my brothers and i used to collect the, just these those two uh, wrestlers uh, diving at each other and uh, it's definitely a really like entertaining graphic so um People definitely got to get their eyes on that, and if if they are in Tallinn, it's it's one not to miss. I guess it's probably one of the big biggest uh, independent wrestling events that's happened in Estonia, I guess for for quite a while. Uh, I I know I've done some ref work down there, but they've been um, on some professional boxing shows, which are which are quite cool at the same time. But um, you can really feel uh, the when when the wrestlers go on, you can really feel the audience kind of start judging right away. And uh, yeah, you, yeah. by the end of the match, I mean, usually the uh, the wrestlers win them over. But um, it's that first like five minutes where people are just don't allow themselves to enjoy it, and then you know, then they can't help it. So there you go. It's always they've always won them over when I've been there. So and now if it's just a pure wrestling show wrestling event i guess this is uh this is something that i haven't been a part of in estonia yet so i'm pretty excited about it well absolutely and the thing is it's going to be uh the day before school start in tallinn in in all of estonia school start on the 2nd of september that's a monday so we are wrestling on a sunday it's a matinee show like i said at 12 noon uh and i've already secured the talent for the show so it's it's a format show not to overdo our welcome uh not to overstay 
uh, are welcome. And and that means that uh, it's one tag match, one three-way match, triple threat, and then two singles matches. We got a girls match and then a guys match for the for the singles. And some of the names that have already been uh, uh, confirmed for this, the steampunk Blake Steamer from Budapest, Hungary. If, oh, you, if yeah. you haven't seen this guy, yeah, this, this guy is something special. I wrestled against him. Uh, it was in March and uh, in, in Budapest uh, for HCW, that's Hungarian Championship Wrestling. Uh, the thing is, this guy, if you take a look at him, he reminds you, his, his, his gimmick reminds you of Davy Jones from Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, wow. He's got really? an, he's got a, yeah, he's got an octopus mask that he comes huh. to the ring with. And it's, it's like it's completely just freaky. Um, you remember Vader's headgear back in the day? Of course, yeah. Yeah, well, it's not that big, but it's equatable, like as far as mm. the gimmick, the look, and, and it, like there's a, he's got a shoulder harness and everything. So if I just posted a picture of Blake Steamer in the gimmick uh, on our Instagram page. So go over to Instagram.com slash SlamRest. That's S-L-A-M-W-R-E-S. And uh, check it out because the thing is that's it's it's something to be seen. I mean, the kids are going to love this guy. Uh, but then, in in addition to that, um, the Queen of Scream, Casey from Moscow, Russia. This girl, she's been a, a Russian female champion, women's champion, and also women's champion in Singapore. So uh, she's she's a brown belt in karate. She's got some wicked kicks, and she got a voice on her. I'll tell you that. Uh, All right. So the Queen of Scream, she's coming, and also. Uh, back for Slam Wrestling Finland, Shana. Oh, Shana wow. is coming. Yeah, absolutely. This is big. This is big news. Uh, the girls are going to be up against each other in Tallinn. That's going to be something to something to see for sure. And anybody from Finland, also, I mean, you just make the trip over. It's like everybody knows that the boat trips to Tallinn are not expensive. So just you know, just come on out, enjoy it. Uh, it's going to be an awesome, awesome event. Uh, in addition to that, we've got Vladimir Kulikov. Uh, the Russian Wolverine, he's going to be tagging up with uh, Anton Daryabin, big man. If you haven't seen Anton before, I'll tell you what, he is one mean-looking Russian dude. He is oh, like, wow. yeah, I, I, he's, he's a big guy. I mean, like, I mean, I'm talking maybe in the neighborhood of maybe 150 kilo. Uh, yeah, 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 he's a big guy. He's a, he's really a monster. Um, and uh, then... In addition to them, we've got uh, from Finland uh, the, some of the Finnish talent coming over. Uh, let's see, who do we got? We got Yami Alto. All right. The, the Luchador of Lapland. Uh, we have got, uh, let's see, we got Stark Adder and uh, I believe Victor Tsuki. So they're going to be on that on that card also. And oh, then uh, the Estonians. Yeah. The Estonian wrestlers that uh, we, there's only two of them so far, and uh, they're going to get a chance to showcase what they got in front of their own their own people. Uh, we, so we're talking about Big Mick Vinyla and uh, Carrot Kook, and All they're right. going to be in action also. So it's going to be a, a four match show. It's free to the public, so people spread the word. I mean, you can't get a better deal than free. No uh, and uh, come on out, first of September, Raka Almare Shopping Center in Tallinn. Anyway, let's get on yeah. to the. Uh, the meat and potatoes of the matter this week. We're covering SummerSlam 2019, mm. held in Toronto. Um, That's right. The, the best WWE pay-per-view, top to bottom, that I've seen in a long, long time. Yeah, I'd have to agree that, that um, like, for, for what it's worth, especially when you compare it to any main main roster WWE event, this, this basically kind of felt, it kind of felt like a bit 
in the old school and not like old school, like old school, like old school to us anyway, but old school to the new fans where, you know, uh, the, the wrestling aspect of it was actually up to snuff. That that's one yeah. thing that I you know have have it's kind of turned me away from from watching a lot of um, WWE uh, events and because some of these matches surprised me as to mm-hmm. how how well the the wrestlers actually were wrestling you know and mm-hmm. uh, there was maybe one match that I, I know it was really good but um, I'll talk about it a bit later where I I kind of I have s- seen almost the exact same match before with uh, with um, one different guy so I, I think but then either way that match was great so um, but yeah why don't we I mean is it worth talking about the pre-show because both of us I don't think watched it but um, well, we, we we can we can recap what happened because there was something notable on the pre-show. But we'll get to that right after a word from our sponsors. And folks, don't go away. We'll be back in just a jiffy. Hey there, my name is Michael Mudgelai, better known in the pro wrestling world as the Rebel Starbuck. I've decided to launch a brand new live-action entertainment venture called Slam Wrestling Finland which is an on-demand service offering the best top-of-the-line professional wrestlers out of Europe today. We can custom tailor the entire show from start to finish. Girls matches, triple threat matches, tag team matches, or then the good old one-on-one damn good wrestling match. If you've got something in mind, we'll find the right guy or girl for the job. Slam Wrestling Finland is an on-demand live service that offers you, as the customer, the opportunity to choose as many matches as you would like. Contact us today at slamrest.fi or slamsports.eu. Red Skull Hot Sauce. Fiery sauce focused on flavor. Made by a Canadian in Helsinki. Awesome sauce in a sweet-ass skull bottle. That's Red Skull Hot Sauce, R-E-D-D Skull Hot Sauce, on Facebook and Instagram. All right, so uh, SummerSlam 2019, it was arguably the best WWE pay-per-view in a long, long time, and that's saying something because, um, well, at least some of these last ones have not been all that all that great. That's true. Um so anyway, uh, the pre-show, I missed it. You missed it. But that said, uh, one title change. Yeah, on the that's pre-show. right. Women's tag team titles. So now your new champions, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross, defeating uh, the Iconics. And that is, uh, well, I don't know what to think of that. Because the thing is that, I mean, Alexa, I think that she's a keeper. Um, I think they're still warming up on the main roster at least with Nikki Cross because they changed her character too. Mm. She's not that crazy psycho, you know, uh, I could just say that uh, Jack Nicholson type of female mm. character anymore that she was in NXT. But they must believe in her because now they got something for them anyway with the tag straps. Yeah. The girls, the, the women's tag team division. But uh, what do you think of that? What do you think of this title switch? Yeah, I mean... Uh... I, I don't know. Um, as, as far as I like, have read about the match specifically, anyway, that uh, it was just 
uh, a match that happened, you know, that there was really nothing there. Um, I don't know if the crowd wasn't into it or not or, or, or whatever, but um, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't have much of an opinion on it, to be honest with you. So uh, I think that uh, with that whole, with the NXT run and uh, being like so so good down there with cross and um mm-hmm. and then coming up here it's always you know when they start to change these characters around that that already got over and already worked so it's a little yeah. bit weird but and then this tag team pairing is a little bit weird for me too but but then again you know um i guess it is what it is it seems as though like from a lot of different uh like articles or whatnot, that this was a match that just happened and and that was it. You know, there wasn't anything, there wasn't anything, you know, substantial going on. Of course, there was a title change in that, but there was something I read that uh, you know it's a like you know it's a meaningless match when the announcers only comment on the ring, the bad choice of ring gear. You know, so yeah. Well, the thing is, WWE. I think Jim Ross had a really good point where he says that. That when something like when the action is happening in the ring, especially like when there's a hot sequence going on and and whatnot, and then the the announcers are going over a backstory, they're or they're talking about some other angle or some other backstory during uh, like the thick of things. It completely deflates the purpose of the match. It's like it's like even the announcers don't give a flying shiz at. Yeah, it's true. And uh, that's where it's like if you want to make a match seem important, you've got to build it as important you got to bill it as important so yeah i'm not sure where they're going with that i'm it's like to me i really don't care either way like as far as this title change goes i think that uh that maybe the uh the the japanese girls should have had that like mm-hmm. as a run now. yeah um, I, I, yeah yeah like in helsinki when they had that the the, the match with the iconics and the Kabuki Warriors, it was not good. It was just like a really, really bad house show match. Mm. But now, um, as far as like on pay-per-view, you know that those Japanese girls can deliver Asuka and uh, Kairi Sane. You know they can deliver. Mm. So I think that that would have been the smart thing at this point. But then again, who am I to book their show? So, Well, there's there's a, a thing, uh, you know. But, uh, but then again, I, I do agree with you that the if they're the Kabuki warriors, uh, today anyway, but, um, uh, I do think that they, they're the ones who really deserve that run, but maybe they're just super hot on Alexa bliss, but you know, it's, it's one of those weird things that the crowd just, it seems as though they weren't, they weren't really given a shiz at about it. But speaking yeah. of, uh, the opposite end of the coin where, the crowd really was red hot. Uh, was then yeah. for the first match of the of the show. At, at least in my opinion, the crowd just like they love. Of course, uh, Natalia. You know they they're they're behind her like hard, and um, it was actually funny to me that uh, you know being in Toronto the the show anyway. And um, last time I was in Toronto, I, w- I went to see a Raw and. It was an okay show, um, but uh, when uh, when Natty came out, it then hit that you know the old 
Hart Foundation, Bret Hart's, you know, guitar scream music. And uh, it did mm-hmm. actually give me that little childhood, you know, kind of bubbles that uh, what I used to feel when I was a kid. And, you know, Bret Hart's music would, would hit. And I don't think Natalia's got the... Um, the clout yet anyway and probably it would be hard to get that that kind of um fire behind her that bret hart had back in the day but i actually really enjoyed this match i think there was a few little things that i thought were a tiny bit stupid but but then again i thought it was intense i thought that they were uh most of the time uh being um uh, like snug yeah. um and uh, like I thought this was actually a really good match because this is the first match that I went in seeing. So I was really pleasantly surprised and very um, impressed by Natalia Neidhart's uh, performance or her athletic ability and a way to... Uh, she just seemed like... Um, they seemed like proper proper pro wrestlers. And, you know, it's not a knock on the other women in the women's division, but sometimes you get the the women that are just lookers and they're there, you know, mm-hmm. just to bounce around and that's, that's well and good. But when you have a title match, I'm happy to see like proper competitors there, you know? And, uh, I thought that, that it was a, a very good, very good match. One of the better women's matches I've seen in uh, WWE for a while. At least that's my yeah, absolutely. taste. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually, I really like that match too. I thought that, uh, like for Natty Neidhart, I think like when she's inspired, when she's on, uh, she can be really good. Uh, the last really solid outing that I saw from her was months and months ago, uh, against Ruby riot on that. I forget which pay-per-view was, but that was the last one. And this one here, she delivered again. So it was, it, it was, it was really in pocket. And, and I thought that, uh, if, if she can just like stay that inspired and just like do repeat performances like that. I think she'll be okay. Otherwise, uh, you know, the mid cards calling and it's calling yeah, out. So, it's true. um, I'm not sure, you know, some people, you know, in the wrestling business, they're happy to just have a spot. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. some people, they have a bigger ego than others. And the thing is, it's like Triple H once said that every successful professional wrestler has a sizable ego. And, and the trick, uh, to, to that whole kit and caboodle is actually knowing how to, um, how could you say, manage your own ego. In other words, that you don't let your shit go to your head. You know, you don't, yeah, you don't yeah. let the piss, the piss rise above water level. Um, so that's pretty much it. And there's, there's so many people in the, in the business that mark out for themselves. So don't become a mark for yourself. Um, you but otherwise, knowing your stock value, like if, once again, folks, if you haven't heard it, go and check out that uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin podcast with Hulk Hogan. Uh, it was just, it's a few weeks old now, but it's tremendous because that is, it's like Hogan really comes across as somebody who he understands that part about the ego, like, like where he said that for him, it was all about business at the end of the day, you know, back in the day, it was about somebody making more money than him. And he just couldn't allow that to happen. It is, it was his livelihood that, that he protected his spot. He made himself so valuable as a draw, knew his like drawing power and, and did everything he could to like stay in that spot. Um, and, and then if he had to put somebody over, uh, there would have to be like a real justification as to why, and where is it going to take this guy 
that he's doing the service for, the, the favor for, and what does it do for him afterwards? Like, in other words, that where does he go from there? So in, in that way, it's like, it's really interesting to listen to that, uh, to that Stone Cold podcast. I really recommend it. Check it out. But anyway, getting back to the SummerSlam card now with Natty, uh, like I said, if she can keep up stock and, uh, and, and do like repeat performances like she did the night of SummerSlam, she'll be, she'll be okay. But, uh, anyway, not her night. It's, it's, um, still the man mm-hmm. I yep. hate that the man but why like why would you call a woman the man it's well. just it's it's okay sexual equality and all that hoo-ha but but still I mean it's like if I call my woman like my my wife if I would call her the man it was like I think she'd slap me <laughs> well like, there you go how dare you how yeah, dare yeah. you you know it's like that's insulting call her well, the I man guess it's like, and if a man yeah. can't be the man of the house, I mean, he's no good anyway, so. <laughs> yeah, well, I, there was a, maybe a few pay-per-views back, um, might have been even the last one, and uh, they, some, who was it, uh, was it um, Vince Russo or somebody was did a, some angry Twitter rant about uh, about how how they should have booked Seth Rollins and how, like, he said, like, um, like basically like the one line was like uh Seth they should or somebody should have screwed Seth Rollins tonight and then Becky Lynch did a respond that like she's like uh like I did or whatever and uh, just like you know giving the like pretty ballsy at, at least uh, Twitter stuff or or whatever but I think a lot of this stuff is definitely you know it's to make a it's to make some kind of pop, whatever, um, just to keep, you know, people, you know, going, oh, and, uh, and uh, you know, wherever they can. And I think, you know, Twitter seems to be that, that way to, you know, try to, to kind of keep the ball rolling when, you know, make sure people are still talking about you, even though you're not on TV and, um, you know, trying to, if you need to try to make a comeback or whatever, all of a sudden you'll, you'll hear some slightly controversial tweets, but somebody who needed to make a con uh, comeback anyway, was uh, at least make good for himself was Goldberg. And oh, yeah. uh, the next match on the card was Goldberg versus Dolph Ziggler and everybody and their grandmother knew the story of this match or how, how it was going to fold out to, to the most part. And I actually give them, a lot of credit for for not making it super obvious, um, even though you know everybody expected what happened generally when they when things went down. But uh, Ziggler with a pretty good looking super kick anyway, when dove down for the quick pin, but didn't, didn't just got like a one or something like that. And well, um, the thing is, count, count the moves in this match. There were four moves. Well, if you count. The doubles, there were three moves. It was two super yeah. kicks. So all Ziggler got in was two super kicks. Then it was a, a spear and a jackhammer. And mm-hmm. that was the match. So yeah, inside yeah. of one minute, 50 seconds, I mean, there's some time to kill in there. But nonetheless, for one minute, 50 seconds, under two minutes, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. And Goldberg is over like a house of, house of fire. But yeah. the thing is, they they had to get him over. They really did because that they that did. match with the Undertaker in Saudi Arabia was it was just atrocious. And yeah. whether or not it's a concussion, that's not the point. The point is that it was bad. Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, anyway, the, the so with the thing with Ziggler is this that okay, he signed that extension to his contract, 
and they gave him that push just for a while there when he came back. Um, and it's like, in a way, Ziggler is your utility guy because he mm. can bump and he can sell. So when you put him in there with somebody who needs to get over, that's actually a really smart booking that they did with him. Mm. But that said, it's like when you really I, – I thought that the way that they actually played this thing out where they had Ziggler grab the microphone after the loss and then just run down Goldberg as he's walking down the aisle back to the dressing room to make him turn around and just do it again. You know what I mean? Mm. Just spear him again and then come back one more time, even after that, once he gets on the microphone again and spear him a second time. Like So two repeats, so two encores. And and I thought, so if you want to like really reestablish somebody, that's how you reestablish Goldberg. That was brilliantly booked. Mm. Yeah. Uh, at first, uh, you know, when, when the squash happened, I was like, yeah, well, we knew we knew that was going to happen. And uh, I liked the little um, kind of swerve with the super kicks at the start or whatever, but uh, that it wasn't just a spear and a jackhammer. Uh, yeah. And uh, I, you know, got to give Ziggler all the credit in the world because those bumps that he took, like he, he definitely made Goldberg look like a star. And for, for a guy his age... Uh, who looks in really good shape as well? I mean, in in all reality, if uh, if somebody his age, you know, who wasn't who was jacked or whatever, went back into MMA or or kickboxing or boxing, they'd probably get slaughtered even by a guy like Dolph Ziggler uh, in terms of his like position on the card. Uh, you know, you know, there's always the the chance, but so you know, I, I did like that it it still came out that that Goldberg was this unstoppable force and um, it still, it still sold me. And I, and I really liked the touches of, uh, I guess it kind of gave Ziggler some credit for, you know, after getting the crap kicked out of him, then to call Goldberg out again and again, you know, so it made Ziggler look stupid, but I guess tough and, uh, and made Goldberg just look unstoppable. So, so yeah, I, I was pleasantly surprised, although, I thought, how how else is this match going to go? But um, yeah, you know, it it, uh, it was total WCW callback there. So, but um, but yeah, the next match on the card anyway, this uh, United States Championship match: Ricochet versus AJ Styles in the original club. I wish they would just throw this, you know, wannabe Bullet Club thing out the window because it's just to me, it's just like. Why do you why do you still do it? You come out, you know, with and now they've got their even the the t-shirt design or the logo is like yeah. really it's starting to, you know, be a little bit a little bit um too close and everything, but I guess, you know, whatever it is, to me it's it, it's a little bit tasteless. I I know they could come up with a better idea. But either way, um uh I actually this was the match that was it was a great match. Um, I, I knew those guys would work well together. I thought it would be more original because this was the match that I have seen with AJ Styles versus Kota Ibushi in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, I believe it was for the IWGP uh, heavyweight strap. And um, they this finish was almost exactly the same if the actual actual finish was the same. 
and a lot of the match was uh, was taken from at least from my memory anyway. It felt like I was that you just took Kota Ibushi out and put Ricochet in there, and mm-hmm. um, so in a way, I was disappointed because I know they could have done their own thing, you know. Yeah, but then again, yeah. then again, that match with Kota Ibushi was like phenomenal, you know. So. Um, it's and I'm sure the like uh, probably 98% of that crowd hasn't heard of Kota Ibushi in the first place, so um, they wouldn't have seen it. So fine, fine and dandy. But um, I, I just had that little chip that man they should have maybe done something new. But then again, I guess you know AJ Styles knows that finish and knows that because it was pretty insane, you know. Um, that uh, I guess he's going for like some Phoenix splash and then just basically gets caught in a Styles clash and uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's very impressive athletically. But um, I guess I just wanted it to be more original and maybe maybe that's me because I've seen some of those matches. But I you know I thought it was a good a very good match. Well, I'll tell you what I thought it was really good because the things I haven't seen that Kota Ibushi match uh, and and for the for that sake alone that I haven't seen it. Uh, for me, this was really, it was just damn good. So, um, the thing with like, I, I tend to usually have this view of AJ Styles that you always know when he comes out that you're going to have a good match. Like you'll never have a bad match with him. You know, it's like, it it might be mid range. Good. It might be like rather good, very good. It might be excellent or it might be blow away, but you'll always have a good match. Um, so he's one of those guys where you know it's it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be okay, um, but this it's it's really quirky when you put two guys who are like so good like athletically and they're so close like stylistically. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you can say that these two guys are that close, but I think they are like in the same ballpark at least. Um, even though Ricochet is more like a well, you know, he's more like a Mexican jumping bean. Yeah. But, but still, I mean, the, the guy for his spotty style, I mean, he's, I was talking to Matt Cross, you know, when Matt was here for WrestleAid, and he was saying that, I mean, the, he, you know, Matt himself comes from a gymnastics background, right? Like competitive g- gymnastics, same as Sadie Gibbs. Uh, now Ricochet is self-taught. He doesn't mm. have any like zero athletic uh, of this kind of background. Same as, uh, by the way, um, Will Ospreay. Right. Okay. Right. So the thing is, I mean, so whatever high spots they're pulling off, they've learned on their own. And yeah. Well, that it is. That's really over the top impressive. If you can. Yeah, and that's the, that's it. That's it. I mean, that's where you really like. You gotta. You have to really respect these guys. Is the fact that you're 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 not formally trained in in that type of body control that you picked it up yourself. So mm. anyway, but I, I thought a really good match. Uh, nothing bad to say about that. That OC thing yeah i understand your point and and in a way it's really petty of wwe to like you know push it that hard that it's the the original club blah blah whatever i think it's still it's better than just calling it the club just that it's so generic because it's like going to a gym and the name of the gym is the gym right (laughs) hey you want to go to the gym after work yeah sure which one the gym yeah right don't you know the gym yeah don't you know yeah anyway 
Well, if you yeah, if you want to see that match, by the way, uh, anybody out there, anyway, that uh, and give your comparison. Maybe you know my memory doesn't serve me well, but um, at least it's a great match to watch. Anyway, uh, it was uh, Invasion Attack 2015, New Japan Pro Wrestling, um, and this is actually a very famous match in um, in New Japan history. It, this is where I guess there was. The Bullet Club, the actual Bullet Club, anyway, on the there to kind of um, help out AJ Styles, who's the IWGP champion at the time, and um, Ibushi goes up for that Phoenix Splash, and Omega, who was his tag team partner, he gets up on the ring apron to kind of he was going to, I guess, push or grab or you know, but then they see each other and they're former tag team partners with the whole backstory there, and. Um, yeah. And then they, he kind of like freezes and he, he doesn't know what to do. And that's enough time for AJ Styles to kind of get his bearings. And then Kota Ibushi goes for the splash and gets caught uh, in, the, uh, in the clash and everything. And in the story of the Omega Ibushi and Bullet Club and all this kind of stuff, it, it's a pretty... It's funny with those New Japan like storytelling things, these little subtle like drops that they put in there that seems like the Japanese fans pick up like no problem, but uh, yeah. But either way, Invasion Attack 2015. Anybody out there uh, wants to check it out? That's where you can possibly see the uh, first time that match happened. But uh, yeah, I gotta check it out for sure. Yeah. But then moving on, uh, Bailey. In one of the better matches that I've seen Bailey in, as far as I'm not saying she she has bad matches, but I'm just I'm saying that she doesn't have like memorable matches. Mm. At least like she hasn't had. But this one here. The chemistry and the, how could you say, like the, um, the way that these girls meshed, Ember Moon and Bailey, was something different. It was, it really was a different kind of match than what you would expect from either a woman's match or than a typical WWE match. They brought something else to the table than the status quo. And yeah. that's it. Uh, I really like this match. I thought it was like really even Steven. I thought it was uh, a real 50-50 kind of match where it could have gone either way. Um, and I, I, I got to say, I have not been impressed with Ember Moon in WWE as far as on the main roster. I thought in NXT she was rather good. Um, her matches with, uh, with Asuka and whatnot. But I guess maybe she hasn't just been utilized or she hasn't been like quote unquote let loose in WWE um, to shine as, as, as well as she could. But that said, uh, now was her moment. And I think that she really seized her moment because the thing is that Vince uh, McMahon once said to Tori Wilson that I'll give you the stage, but it's up to you what you do with the spotlight. Mm. And that really is the case with every single piece of talent out there. I, I usually tell wrestlers, like when they wrestle for, for myself or for like anybody else, but I tell them that um, that every single match that you have is a CV match. It doesn't matter who you're with. It doesn't matter who you're, you're positioned against. Uh, it has no bearing whatsoever on, on uh, you know, like whether what, what the outcome is going to be or whatever. But if that match is going to be viewed on YouTube or, or then somebody else that maybe somebody who's a promoter booker whatever is going to see that match that was your moment to either convince or then not to not to convince somebody mm, totally so and and in that way there are no throwaway matches in your career 
None. Zero. Every single yeah. match counts. So if you can approach, uh, you know, wrestling with that seriousness, then, you know, you're going to stand out. And I think that now when they put uh, Ember Moon into this spot, women's title match, and they even, the, the announcers, they actually built this thing up. They actually, in a way, they dressed it down on purpose where they said that what has Ember Moon done to deserve this like title opportunity? It was like, it was just handed to her. It was like a mm. favor. And, and in that way, you know, she had to produce something special because they dressed her down. And once, yeah. you know, that, that's how she redeemed herself. And, uh, I think she really did. What did you see the match? Yeah, I did. Uh, and I, I liked it quite a bit. Um, I, I, the thing that I, I didn't really, that I thought was losing it here for me a tiny bit, uh, was that at least uh, the calling of the match, it, to me, it seemed like the, the announcers kind of dropped it uh, a little bit too low. Um, yeah, I, I liked, you know, the, the stuff they were saying, I guess, as it was getting going. But to me, yeah. to me, it sounded like the, the announcers were were a little bit like um, maybe not interested as much as they were in the matches before, or maybe, I, I don't know what, it just kind of, you know, I'm not a big fan of their announced team anyway, but uh, to me, it sounded like they were just kind of, kind of uh, giving it, giving the match one of these meh, you know, meh, whatever, it's a match. And um, so it, it slightly detracted uh, for me because I thought the, the women there actually worked really hard, and uh, I haven't seen that many good performances out of Bailey. I'll have to be honest. And uh, yeah, that's it. This was—I uh, thought that she was bringing it because the crowd didn't like her at least at first, and uh, they were really seeming uh, to be behind Amber Moon, uh, at least more so. And but then it seemed as though they were winning the crowd. Um, so I don't know. I, I read a a um, another review on this uh, this show anyway, but the, the a few of the critics didn't they didn't really care for this match, and I don't, I was wondering why, you know, because to me it it felt like a really hard worked match, and uh, mm -hmm. I, I hadn't seen this good of performance out of either one of these women in a while. So um, I liked the the finish was pretty huge. You know that uh, what was it some belly to Bailey or Bailey to belly, uh, yeah. a huge thing off the the top rope, and um, I thought that was a that was a big bump for anybody to take. So, um, you know, I, I give them a lot of credit for sure. The um, the match I think I uh, would probably say I hated on the show was the next match though. With uh, Kevin Owens versus Shane McMahon, I, I just didn't like this match ever at any point. I mean, Kevin Owens, he's he's just great. Um, but uh, to me, it almost seemed it almost seemed as though uh, he knew that this match was stupid, and he knew what they wanted him to do was stupid. So he just he just did it to he made sure that he did it as best as he could so that everybody could see how stupid it was but at least uh, that's my take because i just thought he he was an idiot uh, in terms of his character uh played an idiot here and he's supposed to be the the baby face versus this, i guess everybody's talking that this is like rehash of uh, stone cold stone cold versus vince mcmahon from back in the day and you know, nobody wants to see Shane wrestle anymore, and um, he's just 
he just never gets good. He's not a good wrestler. He's not good at striking whatsoever. And he keeps doing these looking like really terrible and, but probably very stiff looking punches. And, um, I just thought like this arguing outside the ring with, um, uh, with Elias, uh, where he's the special referee or whatever, which was kind of enforcer. Yeah. Right. Well, there you go. But, uh, <laughs> You know, it's like, uh, and then where he's like, you know, arguing and, and they're doing the thing where he's arguing with him and arguing with him. And then the, the ref's counting them out, just about anyway. And uh, and then he's like, I, I don't know, like, is he that the kind of to me, it made him look, made Kevin Owens look stupid like that. Is he that dumb that he doesn't realize he's getting counted out and he's you know more interested in arguing with this Elias? I, I don't know. To me, it didn't. Uh, it didn't float my boat, and uh, and then of course you know with the basically attacking the enforcer, I don't think that that's supposed to be legal, but uh, <laughs> you know. But either way, I, there was a little bit like a weird. It was too weird for me, and uh, you know, it didn't. Uh, of course, it turned out how it turned out. It very stone cold Steve Austin like, and um, the crowd popped for the stunner. Of course, they would, and. Um, and it is what it is, and I guess Shane McMahon's apparently fined Kevin Owens for uh, attacking a you know a official and um, blah blah blah. However it goes, but um, I don't know. Just uh, I think I'm just you know if Shane McMahon wants to take some big bump off a cage or something like that, then fine, whatever. But uh, to me, it was again this like uh, taking somebody somebody else's. Uh, like qualified spot off of the, the pay per view where they could have made some money, but uh, <laughs> isn't that staying a heel? By the way, I guess it is right, but it's uh, <laughs> you know it at least got under my skin, so maybe I got worked. So there you go. But what did you think? Were you uh, at all interested in this match? Well, you know the thing is, I was mildly intrigued going into it because the thing is that I knew that they're trying to build up. Uh, what's his name Owens as the uh, next Steve Austin and in a way it's like why play tribute because you've already got like one original yeah and the copy or the tribute will never be as successful as the original it just it it does it never has parlayed in the past uh, with any gimmick where it's like the second coming of whoever Mm. so um but it was intriguing in the way that you knew that they were going to get Kevin Owens over as a babyface. Yeah. And, and, and the thing is that now this is the road that they're taking, the route that they're taking. And that said, uh, well, you know, it's one way to go about it, I guess. And the, but the funny thing is, like, look at that Raw reunion that they had, right? Mm. Where they brought these old guys, you know, the, all the old stars. And, yeah. And, in, not all of them, but still, um, it drew the highest rating in like what, like in a year, right? And and the thing is that it, it you know, you, if your your current roster is not producing those kinds of buys or those kinds of views, something is really wrong. Mm-hmm. So True. if you're if you're bringing back Stone Cold for your Raw reunion show, and then it's obvious that people still pop for this guy. I guess, you know, 
like they could have given Kevin Owens a worse tribute. That's yeah, true. It's you true. know, yeah. But in a way, you know, it's like I also kind of feel that uh, I'm kind of waiting for Shane just to go back to the office. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's I I don't think that there's money. Um, just my own opinion, but still, like I don't think there's money in in Shane as a wrestler. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's a future in that either. I'm surprised that Shane this year and also, okay, well last year too, but still he's been wrestling now more than he has in his entire career. Mm-hmm. That's true. So, well, you know, so the, the, maybe something's working. Maybe some, maybe we don't realize something, but I don't know. Yeah. It's, still, it's, it's a family thing. It's a nepotism thing. And, uh, that's the way wrestling works. I mean, in, in Calgary, it was Stu Hart. You know, the hearts were always on top because, you know, Stu can always count on his sons to be there. That's it, yeah. Well, on Eric's thing down in Dallas, Texas, right? So it's nepotism has always worked that way. In the AWA, look at that. Like when when everybody else left, they had Larry Zabisco go on top because Larry was married to to um, Greg Gagne's sister. So right. Vern Gagne, the promoter, his, his daughter, he was married to her. Mm. So at the end, you know, right before they folded, Larry was the last champion. Well, there you go. Anyway, yeah, so uh, just a rant about why certain people are featured. Yeah, anyway. well, I mean, I, I get it, but, you know, well, you heard my thoughts. Moving anyway. on. Moving on. Yeah, yeah so uh, Charlotte Flair, Trish Stratus. Interesting. Interesting. I had this ominous feeling that they're going to shit the bed. Mm-hmm. Like, like, because the thing is that when Trish came back, was it, I forget which, that evolution pay-per-view with uh, the all-women's pay-per-view? It was I her so, and yeah. Trish. No, no, Trish and uh, Lita against some, I forget who they were up against. Anyway, but they had that one opening tag match. And, like, they were, they were kind of like sloppy, sloppy and missing their shit and whatever mm-hmm. else in the match. And, and I was thinking to myself, okay, well, you're going to bring somebody back, okay, but... Uh, just make sure they can still do the job, you know, yeah. make, make sure it's still like in pocket snug and that you're going to redeem your, how could you say your reputation? And, yeah. uh, well, in this match, this was Trisha's go away match. It was her retirement match and she did damn well. She, there, there's a bit of clunkiness, not much that stratisfaction bulldog see like charlotte hoisting her up and just carrying her for that and it was like it was so obvious no 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 like i mean this is and and trisha's like what her setup for that stratisfaction has always been weak like even in her prime it was always weak all she would do is just grab a side headlock put her, put her hand in the air it's like signal that she's gonna hit it then run over to the ropes climb the ropes turn around and then plant the girl yeah. I mean, it's like, that's just the, the weakest setup ever. Just grabbing a side headlock. It's so, true, yeah. Anyway, but, but this was good. I thought it was really good. Um, they had emotion. They had heat. It wasn't excellent. Uh, don't get me wrong. It was not excellent, but it was good. Yeah. Um, I think it was surprising. And, yeah. Yeah, and, and I think that Charlotte, I, I think that she really 
as a heel, I think she does her job really damn well. I, you know, she's the standard bearer for that company, for the women's mm-hmm. division. If anybody sure. is, she is. I mean, okay, Becky's on top now, but still, Charlotte is the one that's going to be the most successful woman. Mark my words, in the modern era, maybe in all of like wrestling history, but she'll be, she will eclipse her father's uh, world title reigns in women's championships. She will before her career is done. Oh yeah, well, I kind of don't doubt you either. Yeah, I thought I thought this match was was quite good. Uh, was in that surprisingly uh, good in in the way that I I did think it was going to be just a uh, I guess just a sloppy kind of well Charlotte Flair trying to really hold up Trish Stratus here, but then again is exactly what you said that um, that Trish really held her own. And it was surprising to me in the way that I haven't, I didn't, I haven't seen her wrestle this well back in the day when she was like full time doing it. So, um, like, uh, definitely did a, a great job here. And, um, of course, it, it got the gigantic pop and, and all that they wanted from the hometown crowd and, and everything. So, um, and of course, it went the way that it should have gone as well. With uh, Flair defeating Stratus, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, th- I like the match. I thought that they they worked hard, and uh, and I was very surprised that Trish like pulled it out like really in a top notch fashion. So yeah, but, like uh, I, I think the one thing that compensated here in this match, like more than anything else, was that the crowd cared. Mm. The crowd the crowd was hot for Trish. You know, she was their hometown girl. So I think that that's like what really put this match in a better light than it, than it would have been somewhere else. True. So like, I think Toronto was the right place to do it. Yeah. You and know, then we that's had, it. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. No, just um, going to move on to the, the WWE championship match with Kofi Kingston and Randy Orton. And um, the big story behind this is, some kind of meta idea that um, Randy Orton was holding Kofi Kingston back back in the day, and um, I guess he's coming out to prove that he was wrong for doing so. And um, and yeah, I thought this match was pretty good. I guess I, I w- didn't really get into it that much. There was, um, I mean, the the guys like work really well. There was one Kingston spot where he. He kind of did that very almost uh, Darby Allen-like um, trust fall or something. That uh, you know what I'm. He did. It was he kind of like sprung up and just like kind of turned his back and did some kind of backsplash in a way. But it it was just a bit weird. And but other than that, I mean, I think the guys worked really well. But maybe I just wasn't into the story and and yeah, that. I just didn't, I didn't feel it. You know, that's the whole mm-hmm. thing. It's it's like as uh, I don't I think the the thing with Randy Orton is that uh, I don't know if it's that we've seen Randy so much in the last what 11, 12, 13 years. Mm. No, how long has he been there? Wait, two thousand three, right? I think so. Two thousand three, yeah, I think it was two thousand three that it, that he debuted on the main on the main roster, and. Mm. Uh, it's he's just been like he's been there for like 15 years on TV 15 16 years 
Yeah. And and the fact that he's been there so long, it's it's almost like that John Cena stigma. Mm-hmm. Where now it's more like John's been away more, but still, Randy, it's once you've seen one Randy Orton match, you've seen them all. Yeah. That's, it's That's true. the thing. I mean, like, he, he's really good, really solid, but I guess I, I guess he's just boring to me, and um, maybe I don't like the RKO finisher kind of thing, um, but uh, it's uh, the thing that I guess, you know, started to become interesting was right at the end when, um, well, here's what I actually really didn't like about this match was the finish, where I really didn't like that they had to go to this double count out thing, because... Well, they're going to build um, towards something else. That's the whole yeah. thing. This set up to go somewhere else. Yeah, of course. But, um, it, it, well, you know, and the crowd, of course, didn't like it. Uh, you know, everybody knew when you're booking that, you don't, you know the crowd's not going to like it. But uh, it was an interesting thing with, the, you know, him, Randy Orton, taunting Kofi Kingston's family there by the ring. And, um, and then that kind of, you know, giving some fire in Kingston. And he, he, like, basically, they're beating each other until they get counted out but um yeah i guess it was just that it was the the emotion there even though it felt like there was supposed to be this very emotional story behind uh the match um it uh the emotion didn't get me so uh but then again like that match like was kind of flat in that way and then when we get to the next match um, this uh, Finn Balor versus The Fiend with, uh, I guess, uh, this seems like it's, of course, most likely going to build towards a, a Demon King Balor versus uh, The Fiend, um, Bray Wyatt. Um, but this was, uh, I guess, people were really impressed that they went uh, so in such a disturbing direction. Um where it does not seem to be a very PC WWE character with this fiend. I don't know. What did you think about it? Well, the thing is that they put that Bray Wyatt, uh, the fiend entrance from SummerSlam on their net. What was it on their Twitter mm. or uh, Facebook and Twitter? And uh, they put it up for like, was it one minute? And it was taken down after one minute. I guess the reason was it got so many complaints from different demographics that it was, you know, either offensive or disturbing. And I mean, that's the thing that really just gets me about nowadays. Mm. Nowadays culture is that everybody's just so offended by everything all the time. It's just this pussification of our culture, but still, um, somebody said really well that back in the attitude era, you know, if you were, if you were intimidated or if you were like taken aback by Bray Wyatt as the fiend, that's exactly what we felt in the Attitude Era. I'm not quoting about myself. I'm just saying, uh, just quoting the, the tweet that uh, that's how we felt about Kane when mm. he made his back in the day. Yeah. So, so in a, in a way, you know, it's like, well, wrestling ain't for everybody. Never has been. Never will be. Right. It's it's for mm-hmm. a very distinct niche uh, that like this kind of uh, sports. Entertainment, I guess, for lack of a better term, as WWE coins it, but it's it's not for everybody, and it shouldn't be, and and you should never koto to that minority that just bitches, moans, and complains, doesn't like what you're doing. Mm-hmm. That's not your main demographic buying tickets. 
Yeah, that's true. Most people, most people like that. And the thing is that uh, it got a good response. And I think that, uh, you know, the funny thing is when they did that Firefly Funhouse, they reintroduced Bray Wyatt as this, you know, children's whatever character. Mm-hmm. I thought to myself, this is just the drizzling shit. Mm-hmm. I, I, I thought, honestly, that this is like the, this is how to bury somebody. And boy, right. was I wrong. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, there was actually talk this week that um, that WWE was going to scrap the whole Fiend thing because it was too, it garnered too much, uh, I guess, offensive or uh, whatever it would be um, attention. And so there was an there was a, actually a few reports that um, that this gimmick was going to be. Um, kicked off kicked away and they were going to scrap it and go with something else but uh if you heard the the crowd at the end of this match and they said yeah. this was awesome and they yeah, were exactly. just they <laughs> you know it was and i mean the match was pretty okay in terms of wrestling uh but i think it was more it, it, the the actual match was uh was very psychological um and and it really needed to get over this uh, weird multiple personality freaky fiend character that's that's there and I think it did exactly that because uh, and a perfect opponent for him as well with that whole uh, with Finn Balor and he has got the demon gimmick and and all that where in a way it's kind of like when he plays puts on the the demon paint and the he's like inflicting fear into his opponents and here he was having it done to himself. And I thought the psychology here was really, it was actually, this was caught me off guard that it was, it was so well done that I didn't believe it was WWE, you know, at the moment that, uh, you know, they, they really, whomever in the creative was this like a lot of Bray Wyatt's ideas or, or whom, whatever it happened to be. But this, um, this is good, and I think that it will, it will make money. So, like they will, they'll have to definitely run with this. Uh, hopefully, they don't screw it up. But uh, did, you, at least, did you hear that? Did you hear that they actually sold out of those Bray Wyatt? What is it? The uh, what set was it? It was like some kind of uh, Firefly Funhouse set or whatever. Oh, it is. really? Yeah, yeah. They they made some merch, and it like it immediately sold out. Oh, well, there you go. Proof in the pudding. But, um, so, yeah, don't kill the golden goose. Yeah, and I think that was by far also the the highlight of the entire event. Like, uh, to me, that that was that was awesome. And I think, as the crowd said, in, in terms of, like, sports entertainment and what the WWE Universe kind of has and ha- has offered, you know, like, since basically The Undertaker, um this this is this is a pretty uh, pretty cool gimmick and uh, hopefully it doesn't it doesn't lose steam or whatever and um and and they can keep it going so i guess they need to keep it special it's kind of one of those characters that you that might might be like just amazing right at the beginning but then where did where does he go from here and does he yeah. just kind of, you know, turn into Doink the Clown or whatever? But uh, but anyway, uh, other than that, we had the main event, 
the Universal Championship match. Seth Rollins with his taped up ribs taking on the Beast, Brock Lesnar. And uh, I was also pleasantly surprised at how well this match went. Um, I don't know about you, but um, I thought it was quite good. I, I liked it. I really, and you know, I said last week that when a babyface promises that they're going to win, 9.9 times out of 10, that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. And that's what you got right here. You know, and I thought it was too early. I don't know where they're going with uh, Lesnar now. I don't know where they're going to be going with, uh, with, with um, Rollins on top. But, hey, title change. So there you go. It was, it was one of the, how could you say, maybe even one of the better Brock Lesnar matches mm. that I've seen in a while. Yeah. I think the last really good one that I saw where I was like, I was really intrigued was Finn Balor against, uh, against Brock Lesnar. Was that it was, was the end of the year, last year. I forget what paper that was. But anyway, it was, uh, there was some fire in that. that, that it's like, it, they brought something a bit different than usual. And uh, the thing with Brock Lesnar, I'll tell you what, it's always the same match, too. Mm. With Lesnar. You're never going to get something out of the box with him. It's like ACDC putting out an album. You know what you're going to get. Mm. So exactly. you're going to get Suplex City. You're going to get some clotheslines. You're going to get some knees. And just maybe an F5 at the end. That's that's really all you're getting. Um, yeah. But it's, as I've said before, the magic of pro wrestling is that you... It's how well you can mesh two styles. So each guy has their own unique style. So it's their own moveset. It's their own traditional, how could you say, like... Uh, their, their own patented sequences. They bring them to every match. Yeah. And it's where, where you place them and how well you can work together to make them mean something that actually facilitate uh, a good to very good to great match. Mm-hmm. So they did something here in this one where they were able to go a bit further than typical with Lesnar matches. And also even with like, let's say Seth Rollins matches. I'm not the biggest fan of Seth Rollins, to be honest with you. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, I mean, uh, you know, yeah, he's he's got a, he's got a really good look, but there's something about him. I don't know if it's the nasal voice, you know, the nasal twang or whatever. Mm. I don't know. I don't know if it's the how could just maybe it's his like his punches aren't the greatest, um, or maybe it's just that. Once again, his move set in every match, the sling blade and blah, blah, blah. It's like you, you, you've just seen it so many times that there's something there that's just a bit vanilla. Yeah, I, I totally, I totally get you. Um, and yeah, yeah. so that's, that's, a, but then again, so in this match, they, they did something that stood out more than in their own other matches that they've had, like typically and traditionally. So that said, uh, a plus show for me. Well, at least an A show. I don't know A yeah, plus, yeah. not A plus, but an A show. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think it was a you know m- maybe for me like B plus A minus in that category, but uh, like it's it's a 
like a it was a really good show um the wrestling on it was for me the best i've seen from wwe in a long time and uh what I really liked about actually the main event was that uh, Rollins went over clean. Like there was no, he didn't have to, you know, do some kind of ref bump, low blow, steel chair, nothing. He just, by his own, I guess, um, passion or fighting spirit, if you're a Japanese wrestling fan or whatever, that he was able to overcome the, the much bigger and, stronger opponent and um just by his guts you know and um that's what i really liked because i guess lesnar doesn't go over um clean very often if he's gonna i mean uh go if he's gonna take the uh do the job anyway he's a lot of the times it's not going to be clean um so this was a really great to see that they actually had they had no shenanigans happen at the for the actual finish of this match. So I really, I liked it, and I thought the the show had very few low points, but um, definitely a, a very good show. Something for people to go and check out. That's for sure. But uh, we're gonna take a break. Go listen to our sponsors, and when we come back, we're gonna do a little bit of a quick comparison and talk about uh, how the G1 Climax 29 from New Japan Pro Wrestling, how it, how it differed a lot from this SummerSlam from WWE. But here's our sponsors. Skip is the oldest sports supplement brand out of Europe since the 1970s. Engineered by professors, doctors, and scientists at Sweden's leading medical university, Karolinska Institute, Skip products are pharmaceutical grade, meaning that they are the highest quality available on the market today. Meaning they work. If you're after results, you wouldn't put low-octane gas in a turbocharged high-end sports car engine, would you? Neither would you put junk-quality supplements into your body as an athlete. All Skip products are first tested amongst top athletes to ensure their efficiency. Choose the best. Skip Nutrition. That's skip.fi. S-K-I-P dot F-I. Estrada Creative Helsinki. Your brand and story with the strength of modern marketing. Social media gets your brand and message in your audience's hands, and your story with the boost of marketing and videography is your strongest means of persuasion. That's where Estrada Creative Helsinki gets involved. Check them out on Facebook at facebook.com slash Estrada Creative Helsinki. Marco Simonen offers photography and video production for business and marketing. In addition, editorial and portrait work welcome. For more, see marcosimonen.com. That's M-A-R-K-O-S-I-M-O-N-E-N.com. All right, and we're back, and we just gave our staggering reviews of SummerSlam 2019 in Toronto, Canada, as it was, uh, I think without a doubt, one of the best WWE events, pay-per-views anyway, in a very long time. The, the wrestling was top-notch especially for, I guess, world standards anyway. Everybody seemed to bring it and, um, and work really, really hard on delivering a really great 
competitive event. And um, I mean, wouldn't you say so? I thought so. Yeah, this was honestly one of the best WWE shows that I've seen in a long, long time. And more of these hopefully to come because the things AEW starting up pretty soon and uh, starting October, beginning of October, it's going to be uh, very interesting to see how or what kinds of numbers AEW draws in comparison to WWE and, and, and if it's going to prove to be at least uh, as far as a ratings thing and maybe even a sponsor thing competitive uh, for Vince or maybe not, maybe, maybe not. We're going to find out though. That's true. But I just wanted to quickly go and do a comparison between uh, the G1 Climax 29 finals uh, versus, I guess, any WWE pay-per-view, but uh, specifically, I guess, the SummerSlam, uh, since it was the, the night before, and um, they're so close in relationship to each other, and, and the WWE event was very good. So a lot of the times, uh, hands down, the New Japan show, I would contest, would be a much better wrestling show. Um, then again, here, WWE pulled out, those the, the guys and, and gals there pulled out a really good uh, very good wrestling show as well. So I think it's a good comparison to look because they are such different shows from top to bottom and everything conceptually around them are different. Not only just this G1 Climax um, uh, tournament idea, but um, down to the building, this Budokan, which I think is great. It's got the, the way that the entrance ramp works. Is that they allow? They don't block off any seats um, on the balcony, so everybody sits completely around the ring, not where there's that big entrance ramp with giant screen that takes up basically a quarter of the of the um, seating. So here, you just had the big screens on the underneath the bottom balcony that were that were quite cool and looked good, and then the entrance way through the vom or the tunnel leading uh, down to the ramp and to the ring and uh, it just looked really good it was sold out apparently this was a record number of people um there was standing room only and uh, like every single ticket they could sell was sold and a uh, big record for new japan and ticket sales in that building so great job there um but as we as we look at the main card for SummerSlam, every single match was a singles match which that's very, I guess, quite typical for WWE. Maybe they would have a tag team title match or something on there, but that happened in the pre-show. However, in this G1 uh, finals show event on the Monday, which also is odd that, uh, at least for maybe you know Western fans or whatever, that uh, you would have one of your biggest wrestling pay-per-views happen on a Monday. But nonetheless, like I said, it was sold out, so they're... Japanese fans don't care what day of the week it is, but um, yeah, it um, it was had one one singles match on the card, which was the main event, and that was the uh, the G1 Climax Finals final match. The winner of the A Block, Kota Ibushi, versus the winner of the B Block, to many people's dismay, Jay White and. Um, I'll just run down. Uh, this is this is the the big comparisons. Is uh, is the look of the show? Of course, it's New Japan, and so the the big graphics and how WWE had all the those 3D floating graphics and everything there, and the 
powerful music exploding and everything like that. And then here, it's such a much more of a sport atmosphere. Uh, really, even just down to the, the the muted entrance ramp, you know that it's that uh, the effects and the and the production values are kind of second to the in-ring product, and that's that's something that I know a lot of uh, wrestling fans they either like it or they can't get over the lack of production. I don't know how do you feel? Does the production kind of draw you in with WWE, or or um, do you prefer kind of a more sports-like atmosphere? Well, the thing is, I think for me, it's um, I, I understand the different styles presented, so to speak. I mean, it's it's just a, a way of presentation. With WWE, of course, it is more like rock and roll meets like vaudeville meets uh, wrestling meets whatever the movies. Um, yeah. And that said, I mean, it's it's uh, it's the experience of the live show, top to bottom, with all the explosions, the bells, and the whistles. Uh, I don't need it personally. I mean, I'm really okay with the old like NWA style of just coming out of a, a darkened corner of the arena where you don't even really see the, the entrance, so to speak to the, uh, to the, to the runway. Um, and the guys just like appear and start walking down the aisles with their music. I'm, I'm fine with that. Mm. Um, on most indie shows, that's the way it works. <laughs> yeah, that's so, true. It's true. So, Very true. Uh, you know, I'm used to it. I'm really used to it. Um, but I'm I'm cool with that New Japan setup. I I think they do their business really well. I think the one thing that maybe is still lacking though with New Japan's presentation, and it's not in the production values, it's in the way that the guys walk to the ring. It's mm. there. There has to be some pomp and circumstance. There has to be something special that makes them stand out from their gait, from their presence or whatever you know they're just their shtick it has to stand out uh and it's not so much a case anymore than of just getting to the ring so to speak yeah um you know that you, because your match starts the moment that you step out of the curtain i yeah. mean that's that's when the actual thing starts so yeah, anyway true. but yeah but but I'm, I'm cool like i said I'm, I'm really cool with the uh, new japan product too yeah and i think the one thing that uh, i would say that um that actually the my one probable production knock at WWE. I think other people have this as well is I don't actually like their way of filming. I don't like the camera style and maybe it's because I'm I'm very much used to I guess this new Japan style of uh, shooting where I know that the cameraman and the director they don't they don't know what's going to happen. So they just got to be you know they got to shoot it like a like a like a live sport which it is. And then in the WWE, it's, it's quite a bit more, um, you got to hit your mark, and it's very much made for TV, which is, it's just another way of doing it. But I don't like this zooming in and out and the, these, like, kind of, the, the camera is trying to make the move look more devastating than it really is. And yeah. I don't know why, it's very annoying and, and detracts for me. But uh, I know a lot of people who are legit, real wrestling fans, um, and they have a really hard time to switch over to New Japan uh, because they just think it looks, uh, it just doesn't look very good. And it, of course, people, you know, they see with their eyes and, and um, they're judging it on that production value, even if they don't know or not. But, um, you know, either way, like I said, this, this show was really good. Um, uh, both of the, the uh, like, I don't know, 
I would say that uh, Kota Ibushi versus Jay White was was amazing. Very good match, and I, I don't think a lot of people give Jay White a lot of credit, but uh, he's he's coming. He's I think this was his match that uh, made him, and I really hope that he he continues forward because he was very good and. Um, both guys were off the charts good and and worked. I think the chemistry there was 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 great, and um, there was so much psychology happening there. And what I also like about the, the comparison to New Japan is that the reason why uh, they have these multi-man tag team matches is because they don't have this weekly TV show where they have backstage sketches and and people don't just come out to the ring and and talk, you know yeah. people. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's all done in the match. I mean, a lot of the times after the matches, there was actually a very good um, uh, tag match, which was uh, the dream team of uh, you know Hiroshi Tanahashi and Kazuchika Okada, which is kind of like you know Hulk Hogan teaming with Macho Man in Japan, just about anyway. That uh, what were they the Mega Powers or or something? Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, versus Zack Saber Jr. and Minoru Suzuki, which. Um, mm-hmm. You have these like flashy, you know, big entrance guys with and who are like you know considered the the big faces of of New Japan, Tanahashi and Okada, and then these really brutal, very real heels with Zack Saber Jr. and Minoru Suzuki, very shoot like guys. And Suzuki, yeah. uh, he was the the story here is that he was not. Uh, in the he wasn't uh, put in the G1, so he was pretty pissed that he wasn't allowed to compete in this G1 tournament, and he ends up pinning Kazuchika Okada in this tag team match. And when you pin a champion in a tag team match, um, or at least in a non-title match, but um, you are basically you earn a, a shot at that title. That's kind of the this New Japan rule. So. Minoru Suzuki basically like just beat the crap out of Okada and then gave him this uh, gotch style pile driver look brutal and pinned him and uh, he went on the mic and did a very chilling promo um, afterwards basically saying like you know what kind of champion loses to somebody who wasn't even considered for the G1 tournament you know basically mocking the whole thing and uh, he's a scary guy anyway, but um, that's where the, the storylines and promos happen. And what was the biggest one that happened that night, if people aren't aware of it, where Kenta, who um, had just joined the roster of New Japan through the G1, he was uh, on the other side in a six-man tag, Gorillas of Destiny with Tamatonga and Tongaloa and Bad Luck Fale. And he was on the team with Tomohiro Ishii and Yoshihashi, kind of this um, New Japan roster where his, uh, I guess, buddy who brought him into New Japan, this uh, Shibata, um, kind of, he would be standing there on that team. And he refused the tags, and then it ends up that he's joined Bullet Club, and and Shibata came out and just, like, the crowd was like, I'd never heard a Japanese crowd that crazy in my life. This was an angle to, like, just destroy all other angles, and uh, Shibata even like, you know, um, took it to Kenta with a this running stalling dropkick to the corner that looked absolutely brutal and, but it ended in such a, such a beautifully told or beautifully horrific told story where where there's this like 
you know, you never see Ken to smile. I guess that was another thing. And then here he is doing the Shibata pose, this like, you know, cross-legged, cross-arm pose, sitting on the chest of Shibata, who's been just uh, brutalized, and with this giant grin on his face, and uh, all the Bullet Club, everybody around him, you know, smiling as well. And holy crap, does the Japanese audience hate this guy. I like the hate that I could feel coming from my TV was just was just nuts. So it's to me this comparison is what I'm trying to go for here is the that how these stories are told in the ring and how much more re- realism and uh, actual emotions kind of come out of them. Uh, and it I guess it's it's it is just a different style of telling. Uh, telling these stories than it is in the WWE kind of, um, you know, cash term of sports entertainment. Um, but um, to me, I prefer the New Japan, of course, like it sounds anyway. I'm sure it's not a, a surprise to anybody. But um, it was a really good thing to see on, on SummerSlam that there was a great psychology in the ring, which I have missed from WWE in the past. But... Um, but yeah, that's I don't know. I know you've watched New Japan. You've worked in Japan loads of times, so you know the whole style there. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's uh, it's just it was just to me such an interesting comparison that you have this SummerSlam is all singles matches, and then um, G1 Finals, which is basically all tags and one singles match. You know, of course, it highlights that singles match, makes it sound like a stipulation. All of a sudden, oh my God, there's it's only two guys in the ring now. So, but uh, very good show. I definitely recommend everybody to check it out. Well, there you go. Well, so we had a whole bunch of wrestling this week and uh, going through all the developments here in the wrestling world. And of course, ladies and gentlemen, you gotta subscribe to us if you're not yet subscribed if you haven't followed us yet on social media if you haven't punched the uh, or the, the the subscribe button on uh, itunes or or then spotify please do so uh the podbean network uh, it helps us a whole a whole bunch and uh we appreciate your support of course remember that on september the 1st in tallinn estonia at the the oldest shopping mall in the country that is rocca Almare. There is going to be a wrestling event. That is going to be the Back to School Bash. Uh, Slam Wrestling Finland makes its debut in Estonia. And uh, we got wrestlers from six different countries on this show in Estonia. Lots of good stuff. And uh, the the return of Shana, as I said earlier, she's coming back. Uh, And then also... Uh, select wrestlers from Russia. There's three wrestlers from Russia. And, uh, of course, when Russia is always next door, so to speak, it's your neighbor. Everybody hates their neighbor, man. (laughs) The Finns hate the Swedes. The Finns hate the Russians. And I think that most, well, maybe not so much Finns in general. I think the Finnish woman hate the Estonian woman. Mm. (laughs) I, I, I found that to be true. So, anyway, ladies and gentlemen, Follow us, like us, and we thank you once again for being with us this week on Shooting the Shizat. We'll catch you next week for more wrestling action and news. Bye.